0: here as part of our summer 1982 celebration the scare guy along with our other podcast the the con guy our crew takes a look back at the classic haunted house story poltergeist when 10-year-old carol ann freeling is pulled from this world into another one her parents enlist the help of ghost hunters and an exorcist in this horror classic from director tobe hooper It's either Tobe or Toby. I've heard people say it two different ways. The famous director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, along with producer and screenwriter Steven Spielberg. Remember, it knows what scares you. Hello, everybody. My name is Jim Fry, James D. Fry on Instagram, one of your horror hosts tonight. Let's go ahead and start up to my left and see who else we have with us tonight.
1: Hi everyone, I am Danae. I'm one half of The Samblings. I'm also half of The Con Girls. I just watched Poltergeist for the first time. Did some extra looking into background things and I'm so excited to talk about it.
2: Cheeseman. Hey, it's Cheeseman here, screenwriter and founding member of thescareguy.com.
0: Derek.
3: Hey, it's Derek. uh, Writer, software engineer, various other nerdy things. And um, yeah, founding member, happy to be here to talk about this movie that I would not have seen as a child. And if you showed it to me, my mom would have killed you and built a house over your grave.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And last but not least, Natalie, one of our favorite horror experts and her cat. (laughs) And my cat,
4: Charles. (laughs) Uh, I'm Natalie. I'm a producer of uh, Fear, Inc., a great horror film. You got to check out this holiday season, you know, on Peacock. So why not? Oh, it's on
0: Peacock, huh? That's it's on amazing. Peacock. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Horror Inc is uh, it's one of those films that I just Fear love Inc. watching. I've seen it a couple times. It is funny. <laughs> it's good and it's scary and it's gross. It's, it's super fun. It's it's, every, it's in the vein of Scream. If you like the Scream movies, you're gonna like Horror Inc.
4: Yeah. Fear so. Inc.
0: It's called Fear Inc. Jim. What did I just say?
4: <laughs> you said horror,
0: horror Inc. <laughs> horror. Inc. There I go. There I go. I blame it on the punch that I'm drinking called oh. Fantasmic Punch. It's a beer from Frogtown Brewery over in East Los Angeles. Fantastic, of course, referring to spirits, but it's a it's a great beer. I just like gonna that. Tell you yeah. So, anyways, just uh, we are heading into the fifth um, I'm sorry, the sixth season of The Scare Guys. Everybody knows we have celebrated our fifth birthday, which was um, the last show we had. The Scare Guy crew, we celebrate all things like horror events films haunted attractions and anything that's scary fun and we do it all from an insider's perspective here in hollywood california and tonight of course we are talking about a movie which i probably have a little bit more um invest in this movie than most folks here since i saw it when i was 13 years old um when it it first hit movie theaters poltergeist but everybody else who knows but i I just want to say hello to a couple of people real quick Jonathan Wilkinson, scared guy, scary guy, scare con scary guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John, Jonathan, I think you used to you were working up there near the Overlook Hotel at one time, which is kind of cool. And Lily, hello, good to see you, Lily, as always. Hey. We are, Anyways, guys, we got a, a fun show tonight. I have something to share with you guys, real quick, before we start the show. And that is dun-dun dun. dun, dun Jim You oh. oh. house. I it's in so- the same colors. Yes, look at that. It's the same house, but I had a they little bit other- the yard
3: after all those things popped up out of the ground. That's good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I have just a little tiny bit. Let me see, here we go. and I'm gonna share this. Hopefully this works. So I am out here <laughs> in Simi Valley. <laughs> So ridiculous in a neighborhood that i've been wanting to visit for quite some time ever since i moved to california for those of you just listening it's me driving in it the car is the neighborhood where steven spielberg and toby hooper filmed their famous 1982 haunted house movie poltergeist and i gotta tell you every house looks alike out here i'm seeing every house and every house looks like it is the poltergeist <laughs> house
2: no children were harmed while Jim was the driving off home. Of the guy's house,
0: the house where they filmed the exteriors to the movie and it is coming up right here on the right-hand side. Okay, that seems really super boring. I apologize for that, but Natalie, you're a, you're a Southern <laughs> California native, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm if you could comment on this, and I'm going to show you the next clip here. Uh, uh, it's right along with that one. I was driving around looking for it, and then This is something I started noticing here. This is the neighborhood. neighborhood. All the houses look exactly the same, it seems like. These early 80s houses, late 70s houses. Um, Is this something that was uh, going on like crazy in Southern California?
4: Absolutely. I mean, that is Southern California to a T. (laughs)
0: Look at the house to the left. That looks like the house. No, that's not the poltergeist house. We keep going. And then we turn the corner here. There's another one that looks like the poltergeist house. And look, here in the corner, it looks like the poltergeist house. No, but we keep going. (laughs) That's like a
2: nerd. Well, the movie even kind of made it seem that way. Like it was all kind of a similar design.
0: But I almost think like this is the main part of the movie that Steven Spielberg was talking about this uncontrolled development of – you know all this land by the way here there, there it right, is there is the poltergeist house we see it right there all right and i'm going to show you isn't that kind of cool okay but I'm, i am show you one more video before i show you a, a funny thing but sorry this is so here is no 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 no, no. no, 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 no. careful what videos you show us yeah i uh, know <laughs> here we go here we go so this is a slow pan, we're in front of the house. This is the house where they filmed the exteriors. They filmed, I guess, exteriors to the house for about two weeks. During the same summer, they were filming E.T. And look at, like the trees have grown up. Such a peaceful neighborhood.
1: How'd <laughs> they get the house up out of the ground after yeah. the ghost destroyed it?
0: Good. Did anyway, they ever-
1: some
2: spoiler old-
0: alert. <laughs> 40-year-old spoiler alert. Did you go in the closet, Jim? Yeah, right. But the thing that's cool is eh, let me get rid of that. Get rid of that. I'm ju- learning is the how to house music. clean, Jim. The, this house is clean. No. <laughs> Last video. I, I I but this is my one. This is introducing us to the podcast. And I'm, I'm sorry I'm so slow at this, but you know, and the fact um,
2: that you can video is, is a miracle. I know. All oh, right, no. you gotta
0: listen to this one. Here we go. Hey, this is Jim from The Con Guy and The Scare Guy. We have a cool um, show here this week. We are actually talking poltergeist. And I am sitting here right now, standing in front of the exterior, the home that was used for the exterior in the movie, 1982's Poltergeist, produced by Steven Spielberg, directed by Toby Hooper. Some would say co-directed by Spielberg and Hooper, but yeah, that's for another time. But we are standing in front of the house right here. This is the house that was used. We're up here in Simi Valley, and let me tell you, it's a it's for me as someone who loved this movie saw it in 1982 in the movie theaters and it made such a big difference it's so cool for me to be here um standing in front of this house right now i
2: think did that's the quietest you've ever talked jim <laughs> i know it's
0: crazy because i didn't want to look like some creep i and i probably did look <laughs> like a too creep. late I was gonna say did the owners of the <laughs> yeah. house
4: like run out and yell at you,
0: Just hearing yeah, you this whisper cannot the be the first person
4: that has done that no. though
0: no, it's not. And for the record, um, be- because every house in the neighborhood looks alike, that was my second take on that video I just showed you. Because the first time I was in front of the wrong house. <laughs> show us that video. That I- video, I should show that one. But I um, was actually sitting in front of the wrong house. And then a guy comes out to water the lawn, and he just points. I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm at the wrong house.
4: Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd be mortified. I would have just gotten in my car movie.
3: and driven so, home. <laughs> do people live there, and they just deal yeah. with people coming by? This house, that,
0: like- oh, This house is actually... And it's online, so I can tell you. It's, it was shot at 4267 Roxbury Street in Simi Valley. It was built in 1979. It's still owned today. It was last sold in 2009 and it's a four bedroom, two and a half bathrooms, 2300 square foot home and right now the value is at 1.6 million no 1.06 million dollars big difference. And um houses are kind of skyrocketing skyrocketing around here but when I was there it didn't appear well, like it
3: kind of peaked and they're starting to come back down a little bit actually. Yeah, yeah. Which That's is about a, what I'd expect for a four bedroom around here whether an average four bedroom
0: with no movies having been filmed there. So. <laughs> As Derek is currently in the housing market, so he kind of knows what he's talking about there.
4: Wouldn't it be great if these people were like super in on the fact that it's like the Poltergeist house and like for Halloween decorate it like it was the end <laughs> the of the movie? That white. would be so fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. Have you been out to the um the the Laurie Strode's house in southern South Pasadena during Halloween, Natalie? I haven't. Well, they actually, they put pumpkins on the front porch. They put for people to use to go out and sit on the stoop in front of the house and take pictures. And they even write, Yes, this is the house. Borrow a pumpkin, take a picture, have fun. It's great. And next door to that, like there's one of the houses over in Hollywood where the babysitting house, and we'll talk about this in a later podcast, the, the people next door to the house where the babysitters were killed or next door to the house where Lori was babysitting. They put, isn't this right, Luke? They put a, a Michael Myers up in the window. Like- yeah, there's
2: there's a actual like mannequin size Michael Myers looking out the window towards the Laurie Strode's house and the neighbor's place. And
0: which is across the street, kitty corner to the house where Johnny depp's character was killed in nightmare before elm street and in that the windows of that house they have a freddy krueger up there with his fingers that's the sunset one nightmare on elm street (laughs) it's the fantastic punch anyways i am really excited to talk about Poltergeist's 40th anniversary it is part of our summer summer celebration of the films of 1982 and it's also kind of cool that we're talking about it right now because fathom events along with turner classic movies and warner brothers they are bringing Poltergeist back to cinema September 25, 26 and twenty eighth, okay. and it will. It's a Fathom events. You, we will have information on our website, or you can go to the Fathom events web webpage. Just like they just did for E. T.
2: Are they doing IMAX or anything special with it? I think so. Yeah. Thing? Okay, that'd be cool. You guys want
1: to
0: go for my birthday? Yeah. When's your birthday? September twenty eighth. All right. Sounds good. All right. Uh, let me just ask right around the room. We'll start with Natalie. We have, have this on well, video, Jim.
2: You did confirm that that's what we're doing.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm always you so can this
2: back. I'm one of the this worst is, guys. This is what you do with Jim. You get him to make promises on the podcast, and he will <laughs> fully keep it. Like, I don't remember saying that. Well, look by here. By the way, Jonathan YouTube.
0: just answered our question. He did. He was working right up there by the hotel that The um, The Shining was based on, the Overlook, oh. which is kind of cool. All right, Natalie, my question for you. Can you talk to me about your first time seeing Poltergeist and what was your response? Or what was your react? How did you, what did you think of it?
4: I definitely, I feel connected to um, uh, Carol Ann because I was very young when I saw the movie. Um, again, that was part of my parents loving to show us movies that were way above what we should have seen. Although Welcome on the, the rewatch... I was so surprised to see that it was a PG rated film. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, this is crazy. And I mean, it's been several years since I've seen it. Um, So it was really fun to kind of revisit it again. And it's, you know, it holds up. Like, I really think it was it was so fun to watch it again.
0: That's what I was going to ask you is, does it hold up for you?
4: Absolutely. I yeah. enjoyed literally every minute of it. And it was, I mean, it's probably been at least 10 years since I've seen it.
0: You know, um, that film, they had to fight for it to be rated PG because back then, back in the olden days, they had, they had G, PG, R, and X on up. And mm-hmm. um, to, to, by the way, is it Toby Hooper or Tobe Hooper? I've heard it said both ways. I think it's Toby, but I could okay. be wrong all right it's spelled toe but i'm going to call him Mm -hmm. toe because it's easier but like you're right it's kind of surprising that that movie was rated pg because most pg movies today almost every pixar film is rated pg these Mm -hmm. days so it's kind of surprising this movie where a man rips his face off of his skull was rated pg but apparently yeah the the
4: gore is unbelievable which is a lot of fun and, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's drug use. And I was like, what a fun married couple. I was like, relationship <laughs> goals. Like, absolutely.
0: Did you, wasn't it interesting? They're sitting there smoking weed while they're reading the biography of Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Such as the 80s. But this movie was, um, they had to campaign the, the ratings board. Steven Spielberg went to them mm-hmm. personally and was like, we need this to be rated PG. Cause at the time he goes, Steven Spielberg doesn't make our rated movies. He makes PG yeah. movies. And then just two years later, 1984, of course he released Indiana Jones and the temple of doom, which along with gremlins were the two movies that caused the PG 13 rating to come into existence. So it is interesting to watch it today. Yeah. Derek, do you want to go by yourself or did, did you watch it with Denae?
3: I watched it with Denae. Yeah. I, I had seen it before, it, but only a few years ago. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe three years ago, if that, and it just, yeah, and it's one of those where you can see why it was so, um, why it has had such staying power and why yeah. it was so successful because, it, as you've said, it's unlike a lot of haunted house movies. It's more of a roller coaster. You don't yeah. have like little slow suspense building things and you're like oh what was that noise and then wondering what's going on it's very early on in the movie that really dangerous things start happening you know the all the weird stuff with the tree and um then that turns out it was just a distraction so that they could get the girl sucked into the closet and yeah and all that goes on And then like for so much of the movie they're still in the house which i've never understood um and there's, i get like, it stuff whirling around the room and everything it's yeah, this was happened.
4: actually the most plausible staying in the house movie yes. I've ever felt watching. Well, yeah, like I, get I can why get the behind, staying, but yeah, their
3: the two kids are still there. Like, mm-hmm. it's not until almost the end when they have them go stay with
0: someone else. But I agree with Natalie that one of the things about most haunted houses that is so maddening is like, why in the world are you staying in this haunted house? This one they had a reason not without my daughter, they're not leaving yeah. until they find their daughter. So, this one they they kind of, like, fix the problem that most haunted house movies uh, suffer from.
3: Yeah, I, they don't make... Oh, sorry. From what I remember, sorry, uh, they don't really make a whole lot of really dumb decisions. Like, Mm-mm. people in horror movies sometimes do that. I, I don't think I found myself yelling at the TV, like, saying, no, don't do that. Don't go in there. Don't open that door. It's more <laughs> just like, go, yes, go, go, go. Open that yeah. door. Yeah. I think
4: the only Fair thing up. I felt watching it last night was like, okay, close the curtains if you don't like the tree. I don't understand why that's not an option. You they, know, they didn't have
0: curtains. Oh, wait, they had, they had they, curtains
4: in the bedroom. They had
0: curtains? Wow.
4: And I was like, you just, if had you're scared of the, are... yeah, if so, you're yeah, scared of the, the, the tree, it's a creepy fucking tree.
0: Close the curtains. <laughs> you know, that's there, there's something. The dad should have thought about that. <laughs> Even the kid,
4: like, you keep, you're scared of this tree, close, you can cover that and then go to sleep. Kind of like
0: you did with the, the clown.
4: Exactly. Oh, I had enough sense to cover the clown, but not close the curtains. All
0: mm-hmm. right, Danae. like part I, I, of no, it been, no,
2: no, to, to explain that? Could part oh. of it been he wanted to see the lightning so he could count? Oh. I mean, you could still kind of see the flicker, but if if it was closed, then he wouldn't know how close the lightning was. So maybe okay. that was part of it. Well, I'll buy it. Okay. That's, that's that's how I'll explain
0: it away. I guess. I like it. Okay. Awesome. Danae. Um,
1: yeah. So going into this, I wasn't totally sure. Like.
0: Hey, were nice. we're losing your audio. Boss, you went underwater. Okay. There you
1: go. Can you hear me now if I move a little okay. closer? Yes. Sorry, okay. I'm away from home, so I don't have my microphone tonight. Um, because, like, I remember, like, there are so many old scary movies that you can watch. And there it's like, oh, this isn't scary. It's silly. And then one time in high school, Derek and I tried to watch Night of the Living Dead. And that movie is terrifying. <laughs> it is still one of the scariest films I've ever seen so i was a little like i don't know if this is gonna be scary or not i'll watch it on a night when i can watch it with my brother and also when i will not be home alone after. but um i really enjoyed it kind of like to bounce off of what luke was saying with the lightning i think a lot of the stupid moments were kind of justified with a little bit of logic um not all of them but most of them um about the only time in this that i was yelling at the tv not over people being stupid it was when um, the dad goes to the paranormal investigators, and he's like, "Yeah, my oldest daughter is 16. My wife is 32."
2: Wait, say that one more time. We did say that one more time.
1: Oh, when um, the dad goes to the paranormal investigators, and he says to them, "My oldest daughter is 16. My wife is
4: 32." Yeah. True. It's it's her stepdaughter.
3: Yeah, yeah but, but that's never. But explained they don't. That. They don't Leader,
4: ever explain it. Yeah, no, yeah. they don't.
1: They don't really clarify and she, that. In the yeah,
4: she calls her mom. You know, I'm like, you know, yeah. Wanted no. to kind of know wait, a little wait. bit more about Go that right. relationship.
0: As the person who has seen this, I, I, I would guarantee you, I've seen this movie no fewer than thirty to thirty-five times since it came out. When I was a kid, back before VCRs, they had this thing called Laserdisc, and my friend Patrick, up the, of all people, Patrick, up the road had a laser disc and this is the movie we watched over and over and over again and my entire life i've whenever it's on i'll watch it i i've never known that that was his stepdaughter i never knew that how
4: it's her stepdaughter it's it's, his it's his daughter from a previous marriage or relationship
2: that's why the mom didn't seem to care much about her
0: just (laughs) i always (laughs) thought it was they were just crazy hippie parents and she had her daughter when she was sixteen. You you wonder, know?
3: well, because also like the mom doesn't seem to be that bothered when the construction guys are like flirting
0: with and hitting on the teenage girl. Yeah, she might had... a child. In yeah, today's that's... viewing, yes, yeah, yeah, it's a now. little bit like the mom would go out there and and, and take a rake to him, but the teenage daughter kind of took care of it and like flick flicked him off, and the mom was like, "Good for her," you know, just kind of laughed about it. I'm not saying that's the correct way to handle some lecherous guys out in the yard, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it they did would... stick out. I'm surprised they kept their job,
0: right? Yeah, it's right. Like, oh, maybe
2: we have someone else dig the pool.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, the 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 question I was going to ask, I think we kind of answered. Uh, so many haunted house movies make the audience wonder why in the world do they not just leave. Was it plausible for them to stay? And um, my question is this: Was it plausible for them to stay that final night? You know, no. when after no. yeah, Zelda Rubens d- after um <laughs> Although Tam- it's that lady's
2: uh, fault, the little short lady,
0: it's Tangina
2: Tam- clean liar after,
0: after she cleans the house and then they s- decide to s- she gets in the bathtub and she- they're going to bed for one more night. What do you guys feel? Is that a realistic? Well, it did
3: sound like the dad was just going to have to be out a little late, but they were still going to leave that night. It's just that the it was going to be so late. The kids needed to sleep a little bit. Mm-hmm. Still, though, they should have just left. Yeah um it still
4: felt like that was like way past bedtime late yeah like i think they maybe needed to have done a better job with like oh it's only eight or nine p.m or something it felt like it was midnight you know he was out really late or if
1: the dad had like late work to do why not go to the hotel first and then
4: go yeah and yeah
1: yeah, and then he could
4: go to work from there it's
3: like how would Illogical. that mom be able to relax at all enough to take a bath? Mm-hmm. Like even- it's
4: I don't I still even obviously have seen the movie before I still felt so trusting of why can't I think of her name? JoBeth Williams. No Regina, what's the the little lady's name? Oh, that's, that's, that's Tangina. Tangina. Um, I felt so trusting of her when she said the house was clean, and you kind of hear her experience and. You want to trust and believe that, like, okay, yeah, this is taken care of, you know? Well, and she
2: gave that beautiful monologue. It's like, after she's like,
4: now let's go get your kid back. And then, yeah. like, from that,
2: you'd be like, okay, I'll listen to this lady.
4: Absolutely. So I was even still knowing what happens, I still felt, okay, yeah, I totally, I totally buy this. And it's as much as there's past trauma in the house and maybe not a good vibe anymore, and you wouldn't want to live there, I can kind of see where you're like, I think things are gonna still be okay. I kind of felt the
1: opposite when they're going in to get the girl and Tangina offers to go and she's like, you've never done this before. And the mom is like, neither have you. And I'm like, why are we listening to her then? <laughs> get our kid back in this very dangerous stunt that she's never done before, never tried before.
0: <laughs> Let's talk why about- Why is
1: she incredible? <laughs>
0: Let's talk about that for a second. The thing that's kind of, as, as a little kid, but even throughout my life, that ha- has stood out about this movie is how different it is from other haunted house movies. Um, for example, let, let's name some of them: *The Uninvited* (1944), creepy and atmospheric; *The Haunting* (1963), based on *The Haunting of Hill House*, even which Netflix did later, which was one of my favorite all-time shows. That on one TV. in the theater, Jim. What that? How was that one in the theater? I never made it. No, no. But I'm just I'm just naming these movies, haunted house movies that burnt offerings. Did anyone see burnt offerings? Karen Black. She was slowly decaying in the up. You got to get to the '80s for us, Jim. Okay, eight almost '80s. The Amityville Horror. I'm wearing the house. The Amityville Horror. Yeah, one of my favorite all-time horror movies. But Amityville Horror, The Shining, Changeling, The Others with Nicole Kidman, Paranormal Activity, all these haunted house movies they were more atmospheric and creepy some crazy things would happen you'd hear a scream a door would fly open maybe somebody got dragged across the floor but nothing like poltergeist poltergeist is as derek described it a roller coaster ride so can we talk for a second what is it about poltergeist that makes it so different than almost any haunted house movie that we've seen over the past 50 years
4: I do feel like the start of it being potentially not as threatening mm-hmm. and it kind of gives you seeing how much fun she's having in the kitchen and kind of playing around with things like normally people would be absolutely terrified in that moment. And maybe mm-hmm. that would be the thing that would make you pack up and leave. She's kind of exploring it and kind of wants to figure it out and it's doesn't feel dangerous to her. And so you're kind of like, you're kind of laughing about <laughs> it too. You know, you're kind of along for, yeah, I I am very curious about ghosts. I think a little too curious about ghosts and they know and they won't come show themselves to me. Um, so I think it's to, I completely buy into I probably would be spending my time trying to do this in the house, too. You know,
0: I got a ghost. Hey, pass up the beer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, Natalie, I'm, I'm with you. Like I like I one of these days I will tell my story about when I lived in a purported haunted house for almost three months before I moved out and moved to another state and left all my belongings behind almost. My mom's watching. She knows what I'm talking about. But um, I agree with you. The thing that was so cool about this movie it was so human. It was so I have a review here from LA Weekly from the time this was. it says this poltergeist has a humanity a care for genuine human feeling rarely found in scare movies. I left not so much afraid of nightmares as I often am but hoping to find a ghost of my own to mess with. That's kind of weird, but like, it, it's just kind of like everyone that all the reviews you read about Poltergeist is the care that Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg took to create like just a lovable family that we, we really cared about. And um, a lot of that was done with humor. We talked, like, you talked about how the mom. This hippie mom that probably, you know, it, they are hippie parents, you know, having come of age in the late 60s, now they're in the 80s and having kids of their own. It's a whole different thing. And I think Steven Spielberg was playing with that a little bit. But like when the mom first shows off the fact that the chair slides and that the daughter slides, she's jumping up and like, yeah, this is awesome. We don't see stuff like that in haunted house movies. And then the good
2: thing they did, you know, like as a writer, is they contrasted the dad's response. So it wasn't like the same thing. He kind of was like, whoa, and kind of like just sat by the wall. So like good writing kind of has contrast and like differences in characters. And when we're watching with Patrick, it's just like, are they always going to keep making jokes and things? But like real life, you aren't like serious all the time. They were very, they had very like natural reactions to some of these situations which i think built to that human humanity of us like liking them as characters and especially that slowness in the beginning of like you really kind of fall for each member of this family and there's individual things they do to make you like each one of them so when things get more and more intense you're like oh no 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 i don't want the kid to get sucked in the tree and like all that like stuff that's happening you cared about them where you see, like, the new Jurassic World, and you're like, you know, a dinosaur could eat any of these characters right now, and I want I
1: thought you loved it, the new Jurassic
0: World movie.
2: I did not like the new one.
0: But, to Luke's, Luke's, but to, to Luke's point, and it kind of adds on to what Danae was talking about, and we did watch it with a friend of ours, Patrick, who most of us know today, and he kept commenting. He's like, wow, they keep on this is funnier than I would expect. Like it was, there's so much of it was funny. And Danae, even the point you were making when they were about to go into the closet, the, the crazy light filled closet and Tangina is saying, I'm going in. And the mom's like, I'll go in. She'll come to me. And Tangina goes, well, you've never done this before. The mom's like, neither have you. And Tangina's like, you're right. Okay, you're going? Not- That was funny. And it's, it's like a, a, a weird, funny moment and perhaps one of the second most extreme moments of the movie. And uh, can someone talk about the humor? Like, did the humor take away from the horror or did it add to it?
1: I think it adds to it because this is something that even Charles Dickens talked about in some of his books is, you know, in the old theater, as he called it, which was a a while before him, you would have a very, very serious moment. And then right after you would cut to the court gesture making a joke. And it was kind of like that. There's so much tension. You have to have that release for a moment. And of course, it does circle back to the fact that we care about this family. We want to see something good happen to them. We want to see them win. But you know, after seeing all these hard things, having that moment of like Tangina going, you're right. It's kind of like, oh, (laughs) slight release to all the pressure that's been building.
3: Yeah, and so I, I got a question. Oh, go ahead first, Eric. I was just going to say, like, it's similar to um, tragedy or like really heavy drama. If, when it's done well, you see the character, you see the joy in the characters' lives too, and that's why there are stakes. You know, if it's just like, oh, life is just sad all the time, and then people are going to die, then it's like, well, who really cares? Because their lives are miserable already. Um, I don't, I haven't connected with these people at all. Um, but in this, like, we're seeing those different levels, and that gives us, it gives it, it creates more of a reality for us. And like you were mentioning too, it's more like how many of us would react because it's not going to be the same reactions for everyone. You're going to be, you would be making jokes at some point in a really tense situation. People do that. Um, Like people do it. I mean, that's why Scrubs worked as a comedy. That's why MASH worked as a comedy. You know, when we as human beings need to be able to laugh in the face of tragedy and horror, you know, Um, without like the way the movie does it though, it doesn't make light of what's actually going on. It doesn't lower the stakes in any way. Um, Because there's a way to do it that would be very wrong and would just not play well, but it's done in a way that like, oh, it's the characters saying things that human beings would say in the moment that we can relate to and laugh a little bit at to release tension. Mm
4: -hmm. I kind of feel like it allows you to be on this roller coaster. And I think once you kind of start having feelings, outward feelings of like laughter, and then you kind of get a little bit scared and you kind of just go along for the ride a lot more than if it were something that were just kind of straight along. So it kind of allows, I kind of look at it as when you're going through a haunted house, a maze, whatever it is, if you're holding yourself in tight and like not going to show any like fear or scream or whatever, you're not going to have as much fun unless you just kind of like let go and pretend like I don't see you, you know, and just kind of go along for the ride. And then I think you feel it even more. And so that's, I mean, I generally feel like scary films with comedy those are i mean definitely my favorite but i think those do tend to work a lot more
2: yeah well the spielberg with jaws and this being you know spielberg related and like basically like his movie kind like pretty much as well he loves to kind of like throw your emotions off to throw in the surprise because in jaws the reason he did like, why don't you come down here and jump some of this shit? Like, he did that to kind of throw your focus off as kind of a laugh. So then when a the shark jumped out, you're like, you went from, ah! you know, like he loves doing those kind of things. And with this, with him adding the humor and with the laughing, then he can go real scary. And then then it makes your emotions go even higher. And then the other thought I had kind of about this, too, is I wonder if the fact that this was like the evil twin of E.T., that there maybe was like I don't know if there's jokes or gags or a style that was incorporated in that. And since this split off, and kind of almost was the same script but turned more darker and more horror. If it at it kept some of that original E.T. tone, and maybe that's part of the reason why it has kind of the the, the feel different than a lot of you know those um, ghost movies out
0: there. Can we talk about that for a second? How you we're all sitting here talking about how Spielberg made this film and the choices Spielberg made. Spielberg supposedly wasn't the director, right? I mean, have you guys, I mean, are we all aware but of... But if he
4: if he wrote it, he produced it, he was a part of the filmmaking process, he was very involved in the post-process. It's, you know, he... Yeah. And
0: his hands were in it? You know, that was his hands ripping the face off of the skull. Oh, oh really? really? Yes, because yeah. the director, Toby Hooper, said, Uh, We this is very expensive to put back together. Let's make sure that Spielberg is the one that messes it up if it gets messed up. So it was kind of cool. Smart. It is smart, but go ahead, Natalie.
4: Right before. Okay. so one thing I noticed, obviously, I watched it at an age. I can't even remember how old I was when I first saw the movie. Um, And there are scenes that stick out in my head so much that I'm like, oh, I know exactly the scene, you know, word for word. And then when I watched it last night, there were a couple of scenes. And I'm like, I feel like I'm seeing this for the very first time. It felt so interesting and such a different experience. Maybe it's my old age and my memory and some of those things are going away. But it's like the steak scene and like the guy coming yeah. in the kitchen and eating. the. Food. I was like, I I swear, to, unless I've gone to the bathroom at the exact same time, every time I watch <laughs> this movie, I feel like I've never seen that before.
2: The steak was a- great.
4: It was uh, wild.
2: She was three martinis
3: in. Yeah. I don't know. I had <laughs> only seen it the one time before, and there was a lot that I'd just forgotten. I don't. I'm not sure how many years it had been. Maybe longer than I thought. But like, I had honestly forgotten there was anything else after. This house is clean. Um, oh well, it like, gets big after that too. The way I remembered it, though, like that was the ending. Like they had to get the girl back, and like that was the climax. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot that there was anything else. I don't know yeah. how I forgot that. Then well, it's funny Annabelle, when we Chuck looked in. at the clown
4: yeah. again. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, this fucker hasn't done what he was supposed to do." So yeah, right, it went, it was it went
2: darker. <laughs> yeah, and then almost did like yeah. the Exorcist ceiling type thing too. Like it was like they went so big at the end after what you thought was the ending. It's like, I yeah, that surprised me watching it again today. Like how big it got after it was already big mm-hmm. and almost to the bigger extreme. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love that because you thought the mo- the movie was over. And like what we say, we had somebody that was in our house that said, like, oh, I'll go walk the dog. And I said, and it wait, wasn't wait. a ghost. It wasn't, it gets a little bit, it gets a little bit better even after this. And and it did go mm-hmm. so big at the end. And I love what are the parts about the movie that most stuck with you? Like the things like, and I can tell you what it is for me. Like, I am not a parent, but I loved the fact that the movie was about a family just fighting for everything that it's worth to stay together. That was that was cool even at the end when the when Diane the mom's running down the hallway to save her kids she doesn't know what's there she's like get away from my babies and then she goes in and she has no strength left in her body and she goes god give me strength and she grabs those kids and she, like she wasn't going down that there it was incurred like if you were to if i were to list a hero the one hero of this movie it's that mom she held that family together she wasn't going anywhere she was going to fight and I just thought that was it's because crazy. the dad
2: let go of the rope when he saw that giant skull thing.
0: No, <laughs> oh, I like, promise I, gotta,
2: I won't let go until I see a giant skull thing.
0: Here's the giant skull thing right <laughs> oh here.
2: Oh shit! Okay, nope. I'm letting. It's go. the beast. Would you hang on if that thing comes out of the closet <laughs> no. after
0: you? No. All right. For I. What about the, the rest of you? What is it about this movie that kind of just like really kind of drives it home as something that's above above I some think- of the others?
1: I think what really helped was the fact that it just like taps into childhood fears. Cause I mean, Steven Spielberg based the scary clown and the scary tree outside on those fears he had as a kid. And then he is so good at doing that bait and switch with us. Because you know, in the very beginning you see somebody on a bike in such like a Spielberg-esque opening to have. And yeah, and then it turns out to be this middle-aged guy with a bunch of beer on a kid's bike. <laughs> yeah.
0: By the way, why yeah. is he riding a bike do you think? Why is he not driving? Because he uh, DUI. DUI, yeah. Th- yeah. There's certain parts of this movie they don't spell out, but you're supposed to, by the way, I have a video of that a little bit later. What anyway, kind of an
2: ass brings in beer that's spraying all over? Like, leave those ones I in I know.
1: Partly, I was so good. Uh, yeah, it's, like, it's been warmed up, probably, in his bike ride over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but then, of course, like that moment. And then I think one of the best bits in the, sh- in the movie was, you know, we spent the whole thing wondering, like, what's this and clown going to do? How Mm -hmm. many times did it scare us in the beginning and then the Chewbacca jacket went over it? And then at the end, it falls off the chair and you're like, oh, it's under the bed. Oh, no, it's not under the bed. That's weird. No, because it's behind you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was was brilliant. That That one's the scarier version. (laughs) By the way, a friend of the show, Sean Clark, he was not able to make it on tonight. He was He's coming back from a, a horror convention. This is a picture of Sean. He has okay, one cool. of the three clowns. Notice the face of the clown here. Oh, that. Yeah. So Sean has the happy clown. There's the, yeah, the demon no, clown. God. Why would have,
4: you uh, buy that? I would never have that at my house. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Just in Halloween, though
0: but yeah yeah what about I do you, Derek? have one
4: little creepy clown that I keep in for, uh, keep behind oh, me on Halloween
0: yeah I'm not so much of a clown guy but McDonald's is as clowny as I get Derek what about you what what stuck out to you what is it that cemented this movie for you
3: well the first time I saw it what I remembered the most was Tangina um and maybe that's why like because that stuck out the most I was like oh wow she's my favorite she's the best um and then maybe that's why I thought the movie ended there because I mm-hmm. just like was watching it with Danae and just yeah, all of a sudden there's all this other stuff but it's kind of like so many of the other movies we talked about how you watch it again as an adult and it, you have a different perspective like i was an adult when i saw it the first time but i was a little younger and i had not had any kids in my home yet um yeah. and now that i've got kids i'm responsible for some of them who have been through serious trauma um i'm like it, i get very protective and it's funny because i've been that way when i watched some scary stuff anyway like the first time i saw the first season of stranger things i was just like protective gear yeah. our our protective mode just kind of hit me um when i first watched the first season of american horror story too, like the rest of that night i wanted to be i went out with some friends after binge watching a bunch of episodes and i just wanted to talk to everybody and be like how are you doing are you okay (laughs) and so like now (laughs) movies like this will do that to me like anything where kids are in peril or um or just even at risk of like being, feeling lonely or scared. And I just want I'm just like, Oh, please, please help, them, help the babies. Yeah. Um, so like now that's what really sticks out for me. And I think you all already touched on it a lot, like how much you connect with it. Like you see the personalities in the family, you care about them. Um, and it's, there's the childhood fears, which helps you empathize with the children, but seeing it as adults, um, we really like, protective mode kind of kicks in and we just want to like, we want to make things okay. And so like, I'm in my mind thinking, oh, oh, please. Oh, please. Mom, dad, come on, come on. You can do this. You can do it. Um, So that's like, that's the emotional core of it for me now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I do. Um, I was going to comment, like, just because I love reading the trivia on IMDb. Like I've heard stories before about Steven Spielberg on sets, being very protective of the children. Uh, like just, forming a good relationship with them and looking out for them. And in this one, like the um, the little girl in it, like the one scene she had a really hard time filming. Oh, yeah, precious. Um, the one scene she had a really hard time filming was the scene where there's like they have a huge fan blowing to do it. And like where she's getting sucked into the closet, and she's holding into the bed. Yeah. And if you look, there are other shots in there where it really just looks like a dummy. Um, yeah. And it's because, like, that's the one scene that she, like, really scared her, and he went to her after that first take and said, it's okay, you don't have to do this anymore. Um, And similarly, I think, like, there was one scene with, like, the clown choking the boy where, like, he really was starting to choke a little bit, and his face was kind of turning red, and, like, Steven Spielberg was like, okay, nope, let's fix this. Um, And you hear stories about that, too, with, like, E.T., the things he did to look out for the kids, um, and him, like, uh, even looking out for them later. Like, there was some story about... Um, him like sending, sending a package to Drew Barrymore um, at the risk of getting into any content that would not be family friendly after Drew Barrymore's incident posing for Playboy, he sent a package to her that was like a blanket and a note that said cover up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only know that because like years ago seeing some interview with her and she was talking about it and didn't take offense at it. She saw it as him like being really protective. He's um, like a dad, yeah. Yeah. And like I really... You know you hear stories and there's always scandals about people in hollywood i really hope that we never hear that about him um because like it does seem like he's really protective of them and i think that does kind of come through because we talked about that with et and when we were talking about that movie a few weeks ago on the con guy but it kind of comes through here too you see that yeah. like, just wanting to um make sure the kids are okay you know yeah. um and there's there's something in a lot of his movies too about just like this the importance of people looking out for each other um And also, like, you know, having a healthy respect and interaction, you know, where there are supernatural things in the film, Um, because you've, like, with Indiana Jones, there's always the stuff, like, he doesn't believe at first, and then he kind of comes around to it. Um, And in this one, you've got stuff, like, when the mom actually says, God help me, all of a sudden, she does have enough strength to get the kids out of the room, Um, which is interesting. You know, I think, like, him being, having that Jewish background, a lot of that does come into play. But it's also something that so many families can relate to, you know. That just, you know, if there is something supernatural, there's like,
0: yeah, there's, there's
3: a strength to be found too.
0: And let's talk about this r- r- real quick. Um, and I don't want to go too long. If we the, the the tagline of the movie was "It knows what scares you," it knows what scares you. What is it that scared Robbie, the the boy?
4: The tree, the tree, oh. and. Lightning. The clown. The clown. And oh, that was brilliant
0: really the way that's treating the clown. That's what came for him throughout the movie. What about mom? What was it that scared her? And th- this is a big the part pool. of the pool. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. At the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. she's talking about mm-hmm. what, when they're sitting there smoking. She's like, what about the pool? Because you're trying to figure out why is Carol Ann um, sleepwalking? They thought she was sleepwalking. And the mom goes, what if she walks into the pool when the mom was younger? She used to sleepwalk, and her parents were afraid of that. And towards the end, what was the big thing that happened to the mom? She slides down into the pool, almost drowning.
3: Where they used used real human skeletons in filming and did not tell the actors until later. I
4: don't understand how I read that, too, and I don't understand how that is possible or legal (laughs) or... How, like 80s. health wise, how is that? See, all records, I could do you're when left I over
2: from Indiana Jones, <laughs>
4: <laughs> when I saw that scene,
1: I had to laugh because all I could think of was in like scary movie two when the skeleton is chasing the one girl down the hall, and then the other girl turns around to see it, and she's like, "This is a skeleton. just bones." She just knocks it over, like
0: that's. <laughs> that, that way, was my when I, I read up on that too, and it's, from what I was reading, it's normal practice to use real skeletons because they're so much cheaper than using the fake ones
4: Ew. And, Where? and in most
0: high schools there's it's a real skeleton sitting there instead I could of a- understand
4: for like a educational purpose but not yeah. to like throw a bunch of bodies and skeletons in yep. water and have an actor Swimming mm-hmm. around in that water well, getting I know in there what and I want oh my God. remains now. <laughs> I
0: think
2: Jim would sign a waiver and be like, Hey, when I die, I want to be in a horror movie, you know. Oh, so that'd, that'd be great. Down yes. phones, you know? I want
0: to be cremated, but use my skeleton for something scary. But um the third like poltergeist oh, no, that-
2: <laughs> remake. Well, twenty.
4: in
0: other words, times. they'd have to rip my body apart.
4: I'm like, I don't I'm not great with the science, but I don't see how that would work.
0: <laughs> All right. What about the dad? What did, Also, the mom. There was something probably deeper she was afraid of. I, and losing, I, your I,
4: losing, losing her kids. Losing her yeah. kids. Losing The
0: kids in the pool. Yeah. It was losing her kids, either the pool, down that. And so I think that was the big part. What about the dad? I mean, was dining he afraid room of, chairs. I'm sorry?
2: And, and, and kitchen chairs she
0: was scared of. So what was the dad afraid of? That's, that one's a hard one for me. I but, feel like uh, I'm being
4: quizzed. I mean, I no. guess it was job-related. Like,
1: he had a fear of, you know, losing his job. He saw himself as the provider for this family. I mean, that was another moment I kind of laughed because when his boss came over and he turned him around so he wouldn't see the moving piano in the background. <laughs> but is that the correct
4: answer you wanted
2: Oh, to? I don't know what I, the answer is. I, I like, like that answer. Not being but able to protect his family because I yes. think he feels like he felt failed the family when she disappeared and you see like his face changes and his eyes are all dark. And like if he feels like he's not in control or not as the man being able to protect them 100%, that's what kind of his and he was like living his worst fear kind of i agree just barely holding on and like i, I uh, like he just didn't want to like lose another person especially after the wife came out and she was unconscious it's just like his whole world and like he's like now i've lost two of them and i failed twice or something and mm-hmm. being able to protect these people
0: i do think it was he felt he couldn't protect his family and care for his family i i, I felt because everything that he was fearing there were even moments when you saw the biggest hurt on his face is when tangina is talking to um the mom diana says you need to the child will only come to the voice of its mother and he just turns away like it hurt him deeply that Hmm. the mother is the protector in this point and he couldn't be the one protecting well except you yeah finish your thought i think (laughs) and then but he but he was viewed as the discipline you know later and so I, it, and that caused a problem. So mm-hmm. if you, there's little things you start to pick up, like oh, that's you, you feel the emotion of what these each of these characters are going through. Yeah. But hey, let's go talk. Go ahead, about
3: Eric. You were saying something. Oh yeah, go, go ahead. say the same thing. Like he had to jump in and threaten to spank her, and he's mm-hmm. like, I've never, i I'd never, I've never touched her. I've never done anything like that. Um, but yeah, so like he's going and going against you know what his views of how to care for his children, and he's like yeah feeling powerless yeah. when he wants to be the protector and has to like threaten to punish her instead
2: yeah so can you guys, i say one quick thing before we move i, I yeah. feel like you're about to ju- so you were saying the tagline was it knows what you're what, what was it what was the tagline it, it knows what scares you do you think stephen king's writing of it was somewhat affected by i mean with the clown with that tagline and saying it and then the whole it's thing because it, i looked up online it's i think in 1986 He came out with that novel, which is four years after that. So I feel like that could have somewhat affected him writing it because, you know, this thing, knowing your fears and just that tagline like, oh, I wonder if this tagline would what that would be like as a movie. Maybe because Stephen King,
0: Stephen King was initially the first person they asked to write the script for this movie. Steven Spielberg wrote an 11 page treatment in 1980 titled Nighttime. And he wanted the emerging face of horror to write the script off of this idea. King and Spielberg had a pleasant lunch, discussed the plot, but then King's publisher allegedly asked for too much money. So that, I, that's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, like, I feel King like he's like after
2: seeing this, I want to make my own version. This kind of gave me some ideas, and then he
3: wrote that novel and stuff, and took it kind of yeah. even bigger with the according, thing. According to the Wikipedia page, at least it says that he like the first idea spark of it came to him in like 1978 and he started writing the novel in 1980 and then finished hmm. it five years later. So this movie would have come okay. right in right middle of that. So it's possible- There's probably a lot
0: of cross pollination. I bet you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two things I do want to talk about. I, I want to hit. I do want to talk about the, the controversy that goes back and forth about who really directed the movie. And then I'd like to delicately talk about the supposed poltergeist curse. Um, the, you know we've all heard, the poltergeist curse if you've watched if anybody has shudder they have a series called cursed films and they spend an entire episode talking about the poltergeist curse and it's very and we had the um director of the episode on to talk about it with us so it was kind of cool but let's talk about the the perception through the years that toby hooper was brought on you know almost like just because steven spielberg by is he wasn't allowed to direct both Poltergeist and, e, and ET. Both movies going on at the same time. ET came out one week later in June than Polter, Poltergeist did. Um, and the movie feels much more like a Spielberg for film in many spots than it does a Toby Hooper film. This is what Toby Hooper had to say. He goes, I've been asked about it so many times that I feel the records should be straight. He was being interviewed by the AV Club. He says, the genesis, the the start of this rumor came from an article in the L.A. Times when we were shooting the practical location of the house outside for the first two weeks. Um, He says, I had second unit shots that had to be picked up in the front of the house. So I was in the back of the house shooting Robbie and the tree looking down at the burial of the little Tweety Bird. Steven was picking up those different shots for him. So the L.A. Times said they split up the shots. The L.A. Times showed up and they found Steven Spielberg shooting a lot of the film like the little race cars going up and the um it started becoming a legend Tangina the actress what's um what's Zelda. her name Danae? um Zelda,
1: Zelda. Rubinstein
0: was only on set for 6 days and she claimed that the entire time she was on set she was directed by Steven Spielberg. She didn't see Toby Hooper. So this has kind of taken on a life of its own to the detriment of Toby Hooper, because this is probably one of the best movies he's done. Um, What do you guys uh, rumor is that Spielberg who was often on set served as a creative director and handled major aspects of production, like the casting and he would take over for directing. And then I don't know. What do you guys think?
4: I feel like that would be incredibly hard to have Steven Spielberg write and produce your movie and be on set every day and you not, kind of roll along with whatever he wants you know it just i don't know how you have any creative legs to stand on and was that intentional i don't know i mean i love texas chainsaw massacre so it's like there's i mean to me that's i i don't know that's a much harder darker film it's hard for me to say if i like that more than this i might you know So, but it's like, but he wasn't Steven Spielberg. So it's like, I, I would imagine that's a really hard time on set to be like, oh, sure. That's a great idea. Sure. I'll go shoot the back of the house while you shoot the front. You know, it's just, I think, I don't know how one would handle that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a rumor that's persisted to this day. What is it about this film? if, If you were to look at what makes it very Spielbergian? What are the Spielberg touches that you can see that makes it feel like all the stuff
1: we've been talking about for the last hour?
0: (laughs) I agree. Not enough
2: flashlights on the camera, though.
0: Let's talk about the curse, and I want to be—I don't want to be exploitive about this because people died, and especially the the little girl. I mean, Carol Ann, Heather O'Rourke. So here's the Poltergeist curse in a nutshell: the Poltergeist curse is this heather o'rourke who played Carolyn, she died at the age of 12 of cardiac arrest and septic shock um dominique dunn this one was awful she, yeah. that she's the older sister she played dana she was murdered by her ex-boyfriend the day the same year the movie came out the day before halloween in her driveway he was, I think a, it was be- a couple
3: days after halloween
0: well, no, she died a couple of days after, but she was oh, he, he the day before yeah. Halloween, went to the hospital, oh, yeah. then passed away a couple of days later. Julian Beck, who in the sequel played Kane, he died of cancer while he was shooting the film. Will Sampson, who played Taylor in the sequel, died of a kidney failure a year after the film's release. You know, and In retrospect, we can always our minds will always be able to tie something together. Like I can, we'll tie this podcast together as a cursed podcast because somebody's gonna stub their toe later. But but people dying is a big deal. I went on a ghost tour of of Hollywood and they stopped by the cemetery in um, Santa Monica where both of the sisters from the film are buried, just very close to each other, which is very odd that that happened. Um, Have you guys seen the, the the cursed films or? episode or have you heard about the the poltergeist curse and what do you think about it?
4: I've definitely heard about it and I've heard about other films that have it um, like the crow and you know, it's, oh, so yeah. it's, I do in a sense feel like you are inviting maybe this energy into this space or into your life, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do kind of believe in it. I do think it's probably, More of a combination of both coincidence and maybe this opening the door.
0: Yep. Yep.
4: I mean, something we talked
1: about. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim. Were you going to say? No, I
0: I was going to pitch it to you guys. What do you think?
1: All right. right. Uh, Well, I was just going to say, like, you know, we've we've been kind of upfront on here before. Most of us are pretty religious on this podcast. And um, we do believe there are things out there that you are not supposed to mess with. Spiritual warfare is something very real. I personally don't always get behind the whole ghost idea, but I do think it's very possible for demonic things to masquerade as ghosts in order to get closer and to deceive people. But um, I don't know that I would, I mean, I wasn't there, I wasn't born yet, so I can't tell you for certain. I think it's just an unfortunate coincidence in something like this. Obviously, like you just said, Natalie, we do have to be very careful anytime you're near something of this nature. Um, but I mean, that's something Derek and I talk about after we watched the movie is like, okay, well, let's like pick another movie from the 1980s. And, and like we said, you know, it turned 40 this year. How, how many other films have had people in them that have since passed away? Of course, a lot of this was very close together, but yeah. a very big production with a lot of people in, um, you know, if we look at it now, there's a lot of situations where things like this have happened. I think it's just because the film was so dark that it's pinned on, oh, a curse. I remember like the first story I heard was that Heather of work died because she was so scared during filming. And then of course, I mean, after Heath Ledger passed away, a lot of people said it was like, oh, it's because he took himself too seriously when he was playing the Joker, when now we know it was just an accidental Oxycontin overdose. It's just so much misinformation happens. It's hard to take any of it seriously, but at the same time, to handle things of spiritual nature carefully. I agree. We used I agree. real
4: skeletons.
0: Yeah. I know that, that that's what they're blaming it so on. Did they, the Goonies, right? The, <laughs> no, but I don't uh, think that film is cursed. No, to Natalie's point, it is kind of interesting. A lot of people blame the curse on the fact that real skeletons were used without t- By the way, the actors didn't know. Jo Beth Williams did not mm-hmm. know that she was swimming in the water with real skeletons and later when she was told, she was horrified at this fact. And I yeah, that that's kind of horrific, but I do agree that, I do believe there's something beyond this physical world. I, I I am I go to church and I've heard this and I, I know what the Bible says, but I also know that we don't know everything. And like Natalie says, whether it's energy or spirits or whatever, there's certain doors that just got to be careful. Just like Danae said, when you start opening these opening these things up, I I do agree there. Cheeseman, why you look like you want to say something?
2: Uh, I'm just scrolling stuff online on them. Okay. I mean, I
4: would think if somebody's using my skeleton uh to be a prop in a movie without my consent, I'd haunt the shit out of you. <laughs> well
3: apparently Jim would be really happy about it. So. No, I
4: don't want to sounds like he sounds like he's giving his consent.
3: Brad's here.
0: Brad's here. Hello, Brad. Um Amanda M- Amanda's birthday is almost here. Hello Amanda. And Amanda oh, really? Amanda says she's had some very real ghost experiences and I didn't believe in ghosts before then. I think yeah, that's a of a- those. No, like I talk about, like I had some very real experiences. I'm reticent. I'm not, I don't say ghosts or haunted house. All I know is for three months i lived under situations that in totality altogether are just bizarre. And I'd be one of those people. You're like, why are you still staying in that house? Because I didn't have money to move. That's all there is to it. But that being said, I, I do have a couple interesting things. Did you know that Drew Barrymore was actually, she auditioned to play Carol Ann. But Steven Spielberg thought that she made a better, um, what was her character's name in E.T.? Oh. Uh, R- something. Gertie, Barrymore. Gertie. Yep, Gertie. Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, also, um, the imploding house was a six-foot wide model. It took four months to create it. And they basically put it on a funnel and pulled it through down through the funnel to for that effect that you saw. Um, and I do want to before I don't want to end without talking about what Luke was talking about. The genesis, the the idea for this movie came to Steven Spielberg while he was on set for filming um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it was it came back earlier. It was supposedly dreamed up during Close Encounters of the Third Kind. This was originally thought of to be a sequel to Close Encounters and it was called, the original name, was it Luke? Dark Skies, right? Yeah. Maybe. Dark Skies. It was meant as a, <laughs> basically a horror movie, so he pitched it to Toby Hooper and the idea was a family in a house being tormented by aliens and Toby's like, I don't like the alien aspect, let's make it supernatural horror. So, two movies were birthed out of this. E.T., which was the nice alien coming to the planet and Poltergeist, which was the evil aliens, which turned out to be ghosts. Both movies were filmed the same summer. Both movies came out a week apart. And Both movies, here we are celebrating both of them 40 years later. Guys, I just got to ask you, what is it about E.T.? Not E.T., I'm so sorry. What is it about this movie that makes it something worth watching today, 40 years later?
4: I mean, I'm going to say I don't like E.T., so I prefer this version. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm on, right. record, on record. On record. <laughs> um, I do just feel like it feels like a very real kind of ghost story. I don't, I know maybe that's more of my naive self, and that's something that I'm eager to see a ghost at some point in my life. There are movies that feel not possible and even though some of the things that we're seeing in this movie do feel so fantastical it does feel like parts of it are possible things and elements that we're seeing the ghosts moving certain things a lot of that does seem like you could see that at some point and so that terror feels more real too
0: Mm-mm-mm. by the way I just to throw this out there amanda said i don't think all spirits are bad my family and I are fully cognizant of the fact that my stepmother is still floating around keeping an eye on us. Oh. That's nice. Sounds creepy, Amanda, but that's cool. <laughs> no, I, we can joke with Amanda. I think we'll have to... Hey, Amanda, the next time we get together, let's just change ghost stories. It is the season, by the way. Derek, Danae, before we quit, why is this movie something that you think still resonates today?
3: Uh, looks like Danae froze, so... Okay. he's
0: afraid look at that's a scared oh she's back
3: oh i think a lot of it is just how how different it was and at the time really terrified people um because it like we talked about it you know uh, i mean i borrowed the phrase from you earlier saying it's a roller coaster um unlike most haunted house films that are the slow burn and i think all of that just being really monumental being very different from what had come before it and leaving a certain stamp there um also that Steven Spielberg just kind of knows how to get human human emotion really well. Um, I think all of those things came together for it to be just a well-made film and it resonated emotionally really well with people. And now there's a nostalgic factor attached to it as well. Um, and so because of that, it's just kind of stuck. People are still gonna talk about it. They might attempt some more remakes. I doubt they'll it'll be that good. Um, and yeah, for me, of course, like even watching it seeing it much later, like there's still that emotional connection, you know, like where you're getting, okay, like I totally get this. Like if I were a dad in that situation, I'd be desperate to try to protect my family
0: probably
3: would have gotten the kids out of there a little sooner. Um, would have brought, you know, um, I would have, I would, you know, I'm Protestant, but I probably still would have brought in a Catholic priest and my own pastor and several other people to like really pray and still like <laughs> gone, gotten all my stuff out and moved. Um, yeah. even if I didn't have a place to stay, but, like, you know what, a lot of people are camping out in LA these days. You know, we've got a tent. But <laughs> um, oh, you
0: wouldn't have left your daughter behind. Yeah, you wouldn't have left the crowd behind.
3: No, I'm saying before that ever happened, like there's a chair, like chairs are just moving around on oh. their own in the kitchen. Um, no, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, what you think?
2: I'm going to try to respond
3: really smart. I'm just
2: <laughs> um, I think why, I mean, cinematically it's you know done very well but i think it's the why this one kind of sticks out in the relatability is is the normalcy behind it because like most like haunted house movies you're like obviously that's a haunted mansion but this was just like a besides the tree it was a very ordinary house and everybody moves into a new place and they're always like ha ha is this haunted you know or like i wonder like my parents home like they found arrowheads and other things. So it might've been like Indian barrel grounds or there might've been like Indian stuff. And I, I mean, my sister saw weird stuff as kids or there's some, like some weird stuff. So it's like such a normal thing for people to, I mean, not necessarily normal, but it's something that a lot of people think about when they move into like an area like that. So I feel like that's why it's so really, and just even the creativity of like taking something as normal as like a static key screen On a TV, you know, that we've all seen, and kind of like, oh, am I almost seeing something when you look at it long enough or almost hearing something? And adding that as kind of the launching pad for this whole kind of scariness thing. I think those two elements of just a normal, and even like the fact we're like watching it during the day, and I'm like, this feels kind of like the movie because it was just as scary sometimes or weird during the day as it was at night. And I think that was smart as well. And even watching it during the day, I'm like, this still feels kind of. Cause you feel like you're in your safe environment, but then this movie kind of says, even when you're in, like the safest time of the day, or it feels like a normal house or apartment, like something could move or something weird could happen. And that's, I think what really kind of makes it stand out and feel so personal in some ways.
0: I rate this movie throughout my long life as how many my- martinis. Yeah. No, I, and I think it's because I saw it at such a young age. And I, I want to show you something. This scene right here. So this is the scene. There's um, Zelda Rubenstein's uh, Zan Tangina in the back, and there's the two. There's the mom and dad, Diane and Steven. getting. They're getting ready to kiss before they go in. When I was 13 years old, I saw this movie, and I came home and I drew that picture right there. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, I was 13 years old. My mom sent me this picture today because she knew we were going to do this. This Oh, my gosh. This movie had a big influence on me. I had a typewriter that my mother had given me, and I sat down and started writing my own ghost story as soon as I got home. It was the Mm. first thing I ever wrote as far as, narrative stuff the movie Uh this movie and i i did comic books type stuff before then but i can honestly say this is the movie that kicked my butt and we've lost a nation her um she was having some tech problems but she's gonna text me her
3: final thoughts and i can okay
0: but this is the movie that pushed me towards becoming a writer and i it is i still regard it it's in my top five movies of all time for me and I, I loved it so much. I remember living in the plains of the Midwest and north, northern, northwest of Chicago, out in the farmlands, and watching Siskel and Ebert review this movie that summer. And I couldn't be more excited. And I think it's either Siskel or Ebert. One of the I think one of the two of them, or I might have read it in People magazine or something as a kid, that it said that's where I got the whole roller coaster. Like I had never mm-hmm. thought about haunted. House movies or horror movies being roller coaster rides, and I was like, "Wow!" And it just it it, it really moved me. And um, to this it day, did. I still consider it. Um, <laughs> I still consider it one of the best haunted house movies, one of the best movies ever made. Jonathan, he just bought a ticket for Wednesday night at 10 p.m. for a tour of the Stanley Hotel. I'll get some videos for you. You do that? That's awesome, Jonathan. I I would love that. That's Stanley Hotel from The Shining. Um. Oh so i do have uh, one last video to show i think i do uh do i do i do i, I oh think wait I, do.
2: I, I got it i got it here
0: okay what's this video oh no, no i don't know it. what he's about to show
2: um, here we go uh here's the video you want to show uh, oh no i don't trust us at all i don't trust us at
0: all what is this here jim what is this no what is this <laughs> Walter, guys. Oh, get <laughs> <laughs> that off the screen. Um One
4: thing I did notice. In uh, the end of the movie, when Dana comes back from being at her friend's house on that last night, the massive hickey on her (laughs) neck. I never noticed it before. It was hysterical. I was like, this girl, she thought she was safe too. She thought everything was fine. She was saying goodbye to her friends. Really said goodbye to one of them.
0: (laughs) Natalie, did you see the the remake of Poltergeist, the new one?
4: Uh, I I think there's been.
0: With Sam Rockwell?
4: uh, yes but i saw it when it came out i haven't i, it I wasn't feel like good. we all
2: didn't like it and we talked about this because i know me and jim yeah. came back and watched the original that same night the same
0: night i said i gotta yeah. see the original
4: but it, i don't like i couldn't i can't remember
0: anything from it
2: yeah yeah, yeah I, I can't really know. either other than like this wasn't that good you know
0: like yeah. hey i do have a, a cool piece of trivia real quick before we, we i know we got to end here i've always wondered what is the dog's name? E Buzz. Do you, do you know what that is? I finally looked it up today. The dog's name comes from a Saturday Night Live skit in which Dan Aykroyd played an art critic named E Buzz Miller. Aykroyd co starred in producer screenwriter Steven Spielberg's movie 1941, the year right before this one. So it was kind of a tribute to this character from Saturday Night Live. I never knew that. e Interesting.
3: I always thought it was a, such a dumb name for a dog. So, okay, E-Buzz. before we close, Jim, can I tell you today's thoughts? Yes, please. Yeah, so she said, um, I think this film will last because it is well done. That's because, one, it's Spielberg, and two, almost all the effects are practical. The best CGI will look bad in five years, but really cool puppets will always look like really cool puppets. Additionally, the Goonies had a real skeleton for One-Eyed Willy and human blood on the treasure map, But it's been fine. Josh Brolin is doing well. Um, (laughs) And then she just says, my name is Danae. I'm a writer and comedian in L.A. My next stand-up show is this Sunday, September 4th.
0: Nice, nice. I mean, I
4: think Josh Brolin is doing well, but I think people don't talk about his issues with Diane Lane as they do current people in the Me Too era of things. What? Yeah, they had like a... Altercation, and I think he was arrested. He beat her up.
0: if wait, that if happened.
4: I, if that happened in the last five to ten years, wouldn't have a career anymore. It's weird wait, how people just forget about things like that.
0: I have never even heard about this. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh!
2: Kind of like Sean Connery, like sometimes smack a
0: woman or something. Yeah, that's, a, like, yeah. that's awful. That's awful. Oh. Uh, shut that dog up. Is so. that t
4: Buzz? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah i did want to i think i have one video let me luke can you get rid of that video please dublin has an over has an hour timeline which one? Okay, i know we, we got to stop right now here's my last one i this is my last video that i shot i just thought this was funny see if you recognize it who do you hit with your car no i don't hit anything wait here we go look 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 freeze does that look familiar Da, da, da. It's right there. Oh. <laughs> I just thought it was. I know you think like Did i mean get the beer thing... right there for and for him. This is this is the beer scene. I just thought it was kind of funny. Like I'm gonna remove this. Remove. Yeah, there we go. Hey guys, <laughs> my name is James D. Fry. Thank you for joining us tonight to talk about Poltergeist, one of my favorite all-time films, and I think one of the most enduring haunted house movies of all time. Steven Spielberg, Toby Hoop, Tobe, Hooper um god rest his soul you guys did such a great job and thank you for this and uh thank you for watching us tonight as we continue to celebrate our summer of 82 we have a few more movies to hit before we are done cheese men i'll let cheeseman end but let's go down to natalie natalie tell us where people can find you and uh and whatnot
4: at natalie michelle i don't do all the all the socials i i like instagram follow me there
0: And hopefully, we will see some cool horror stuff from Natalie pretty soon. Hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, yeah. Derek, Uh, hey, I'm Derek. Um, Yeah, you can sometimes
3: find me on Twitter at con guy Derek. However, you know, I'm always complaining about how much I hate social media because I'm kind of (laughs) imagining that. (laughs) But you can also find me here. um, Just about any Monday night that we're doing a show. Yep. All right, Cheeseman, take us out, man. Uh you can find me on Instagram
2: and Twitter at Cheese on Couch on my screen right there. You can find me on thescareguy.com. I think I I think I introduced myself earlier as the scare guy, hopefully. We we check out the con guy as well, in case <laughs> I did that. But uh we're gonna be doing a lot more scare guy now. We're gonna be doing Halloween horror nights, got movies to see, lots of things to talk about, and hopefully some special guests. So yeah, welcome be- to the and- Halloween season.
0: Yes, and if you guys liked listening to Natalie, please send her some good, some good vibes because we want to keep her on or here martini. helping us with the horror stuff because she's a specialist in this and we love having her on. I love it. I All right. love it. Ready All right, for guys. A pumpy martini. Pumpkin Martini coming right up. Yep. Yeah. All right. This podcast is done. Thanks.
3: Thanks.